you ever have a tough week and somebody tries cheering you up using a cheesy platitude? Like, hey, cheer up, buttercup. God never gives us more than we can handle. One day at a time. My usual response to hearing things like this when I'm going through a hard time or, or struggling with something, it usually involves saying or doing something very unpastoral. Things I would not end up putting out on social media. At least not with my name tag to it, that's for sure. And though the, though the Bible has a lot to say that can encourage us, sometimes we read things and it's like we just want five minutes with the writer in a room with no windows to really to tell him what we really think of what we have read. Paul says, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. I'm like, sometimes, really, Paul? You know what just happened to me as I read that? I know the plans that I have for you, God says to Jeremiah. Maybe you'd like to clue me in, God, if that counts, if that idea counts at all for me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, Jesus says in the gospel. Hey, Jesus, I'd like to get to the point where I'm only weary and heavy burdened. Paul finishes up his first letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 5 is where I'm going to hang out today. And he sounds like he's doing similar. Like he's in an, in an interview at the tail end. He's like, hey, the host is like, hey, any last minute thoughts, Paul? Why, yes, Paul says. And he has this rapid fire list of exhortations or encouragements or commands. My Bible actually uh, titles this whole section, Final Exhortations. It's sort of like he's being pulled off stage in a rant. Like he's got one of those old time uh, shepherd hooks that's pulling him off stage. Hey, I've got 30 seconds left. Here's everything I want to give you. And each verse of, what, of that section can uh, give a whole message, maybe even a whole series. But I really want to zero in on three verses that throw a monkey wrench into Paul's whole letter. This comes out of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. Let's check it out. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Maybe you picked up on the monkey wrench that Paul seems to throw into his message here. I'm going to let it dangle for a little bit and I'm going to break down some of these ideas. Because it, it has a nice little uh, three-section thing going on in these passages. So what does it mean, the idea of rejoice always? Well, it comes out of the word joy. Not too hard of a stretch to, to make that connection. If you know Paul's other letters, maybe you've seen this phrase in, that I quoted earlier from Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So if you didn't catch it the first time, I'll say it again just to stress the point. Maybe you think Paul's a little happy-go-lucky. Uh, but there's also places in Galatians where he refers to joy as a fruit of the Spirit. The whole last words bit of this letter that I'm reading. I'm just drawing a section out of it. The whole thing kind of rings of these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, these things that are, are coming up in what Paul is asking the listeners to do or the readers to do. Point being, when Paul says rejoice, it's not, <coughs> it's not something that we manufacture. It's not something that on our own we just flip on like a switch. You ever see somebody who has joy when life seems to be falling apart, it's like you would start to think that they've got a screw loose or something like that. That or something supernatural is going on that defines logic, that defines or defies logic or defies reason. 
It sounds like an accurate description of what happens when we are presenting or yielding the fruit of the Spirit. How about that other idea? Pray without ceasing. Now, I promise you, Paul is not referring to a 24-7 prayer vigil. Yeah, I've been a part of some of those, and at least it's like, okay, you pray for a little bit, and then you sort of tag somebody else in to continue praying, and you have this sort of chain prayer going on. Cool thing to do on occasion, certainly, but if we had to do it all by ourselves, I'm guessing that for many, the, our knees would start to hurt so bad that rejoice would definitely be supernatural or nothing. So what does it mean then? What does it mean to pray without ceasing or pray continually, depending on which version you look at? Well, prayer is never far from what we're doing. That's kind of what the idea means. Maybe it's a bit clearer when we hear the opposite of it. Okay, That often helps to explain what's going on. So the opposite of praying without ceasing might be to have a set prayer time and we sort of do our thing and then we're like, okay, see you tomorrow, God. As though that's the end of our relationship. And, you know, the ritual that we can have behind praying of, of having a time or having a place or having a routine, that can be great. But it's the one and done that sort of cuts the effectiveness off at the knees. Because think about it this way. God desires relationship. God isn't into ritual. You know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders back in Jesus' day, they had ritual figured out. They could do ritual in their sleep, literally. But ritual is kind of like do your thing and then you're done. It's sort of like ritual would be telling your spouse or telling your child, I love you. Check. That's off the to-do list. Now we go on to whatever's next. With a relationship, think about when we have a relationship with our spouse or with our ch children or our family. It just comes out spontaneously. You know, with God, we call, call these ideas popcorn prayers. Literally, the idea of popcorn, what happens when popcorn is made? If you watch it in the microwave, it's like pop, 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 pop. Very quick, very rapid fire. You know, you hear an ambulance, you pray. You eat food, you pray. You get ready to travel, you pray. It's not deep, it's not eloquent, it's not full of custom. That's probably the good thing about it. Much like not every conversation that we have with our spouse or our friends or our children, not every one of them is super deep and all about our hopes and dreams for the world and everything like that. So what it lacks, what a popcorn prayer lacks in pomp and circumstance, it makes up for in keeping the relationship close. It's the same thing with the last idea that Paul gives, this idea of giving thanks. Think of it this way. We give thanks as a way of acknowledging a gift, right? At its bare bones, it's a nice way of saying package received. In a slightly fuller way, it acknowledges the giver just as much as it celebrates the gift. And there's three things, or the, these are three things that certainly fit the bill for being in the will of God, that we would rejoice always, that we would pray without ceasing or pray continually, that we would give thanks. It's, but that's where Paul throws in the monkey wrench. In all circumstances. Now we can be all about the joy and pray and give thanks. You almost don't even have to be a believer to, to get behind something like that. But those last three words, in all circumstances, that makes it a whole different ballgame. 
Why give thanks in all circumstances? How do we give thanks in all circumstances, if that's even possible? How do you give thanks when your business is risking going under because of all the closures that have been going on across our country in the last eight months? How do you give thanks when you're only able to see your grandkids through a window? How do you give thanks when it feels like our nation is more volatile and divided now than it ever has been since the Civil War 160 years ago? Not exactly the record we're looking to break here as a country, are we? Well, let me tell you the story of a guy, a faithful guy, mind you, who had every reason not to give thanks. His story is told across 13 chapters of the Bible, but it, it will show you that the Bible contains just about anything. So I'm going to summarize the idea a little bit. It starts off, <laughs> notice that it starts off with this dude's brothers trying to kill him. Or wanting to come. So they decide, as they're plotting all of this, hey, let's have mercy. Let's just throw him in the well and we'll let him die on his own. Then his blood's off our hands and, and we get away clean. And as they're continuing to plot, they're like, oh, okay, that sounds kind of good. And they see this caravan coming up to, uh, to where they're at. It's like, I got a better idea. There's too much cover-up in actually killing him or letting him die on his own. Let's just sell him into slavery. And that's how the story starts. In all, in all circumstances, if, if this dude had, had read it at that time, it was looking pretty grim. So he gets sold into slavery, sold off into Egypt. He's not from Egypt, by the way. And the powers that be recognize that he has a unique set of skills. And so they give him some authority, put him in charge of some things. And things are starting to look up. And then the king's wife accuses him of raping her. And again, uh, in all circumstances, starts to look even grimmer as he's thrown in jail and he is eventually forgotten, even by those he asked, don't forget me. Eventually, the story continues, I'm summing up, you know, rapid fire here. His unique skills, which is the idea that he can interpret dreams, gets him out of jail and sort of gets him back into authority because he has a, a dream or interprets a dream, I'm sorry, that about the state of food in his country, how there's going to be seven years of good and then seven years of famine. So he goes to uh, the king and he's like, hey, you know, stock up now while we have the food so that when the famine comes, eventually we will have food to be able to kind of ride it out and be able to survive. And in all circumstances, it starts to look a little bit better, but he didn't know it was going to play out that way. What got him through? All of, the, all of these times when he had every reason not to give thanks, not to rejoice, certainly, not to pray, this is what got him through. In Genesis 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. You can read Joe's whole story in Genesis 37 to 50, where he goes from his brothers plotting against him, and yeah, Joseph uh, got in their face a little bit. I get it, if you read the story, but... His brothers plotted against him. He goes through all this drama and then gets to chapter 50 where he is uh, confronted eventually with his brothers. As he is second in command in Egypt and his brothers who tried to kill him end up at his front door. I'll let you read where the story goes from there. But how do we today, 3,000 years after that story took place, how do we have joy? How do we have how do we 
pray continually. How do we give thanks? God forbid, in all circumstances. We recognize that circumstances never change this fact that the writer of Genesis says about Joseph's story. That wherever we are, God chooses to be with us. But we have to let him work. He chose to be with us 2,000 years ago as Jesus walked this earth. When we were, or when we're in the slums, he was there. He was there with the outcasts, the, the people who had been forgotten by society. When we're broken, he was there. When we're all but, you know, both feet in the grave, he was there. And he chooses to be there with you today. Hey, I'm Josh from The Afters, and this is the world's biggest small group. The last couple of years have been a season of, of loss and uh, suffering for a lot of us in the band. We've lost people really close to us. We've had many people in our life who have had health problems, and it's been one of those seasons where it's just been one thing after another. There's a passage in uh, Deuteronomy, it's 31.8, where it says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. We truly believe that God does go ahead of us and that He's working on our behalf. We saw God work in some really incredible ways. And even seeing Him and His fingerprints all of our lives, even in the midst of sadness, our sound guy, Anthony Martinez, who's been with us for a long time, he and his wife lost their daughter at birth. It was completely unexpected. Uh, they had already uh, set up the whole nursery at their home and, and uh, and their daughter left this world the moment she came into it. Her name was Piper, and uh, shortly after this tragedy, uh, we had a tour in Europe. And so we invited them to come, we invited his wife to come as well, came, and we were just hoping to shower them with support and love. While we were sound checking in Amsterdam for the show, our wives were walking around the city. They came back all excited because they found a restaurant that was called Piper, and it had the same spelling as their daughter, it was P-I-E-P-E-R and they had never seen that spelling anywhere else. They thought it was completely unique to their daughter. And so uh, we decided to go there after the show. And so we went out and uh, we remembered Piper and prayed together and, and just loved on Anthony and, and Lauren. And as we got up to leave, I noticed there was only one thing on the wall in this restaurant and it was a framed award. And I saw Piper's name on it. So I said, oh, you should, you should come take a picture of this. It was an award for hospitality and it had Piper's name on it. And so Anthony and Lauren, when they walked over, they burst into tears and they said the date on this award is actually Piper's birthday. We just, we just lost it and we saw that, okay, this is where God's angels fly, is right in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering. He gives us signs to show us that He's with us, even through the hardest things. When you're walking through the valley in life, when you're facing the storms, you're not alone. Just like it says in Deuteronomy, the Lord does go before you. Uh, we actually wrote a song for our new record, it's called Battles, and it's about this very thing that God goes before us, that He's working on our behalf, and that there's nothing that we'll ever face in this life that we can't make it through with the power of God on our side. So here's your next steps that I'm going to give you for this week. I want you to find one prompt that comes up regularly in your day. Maybe it's sitting down to eat. Maybe, maybe it's just snacking. Maybe the phone rings or maybe you go up the stairs. And use that as an opportunity, a reminder to pray. A popcorn prayer of thanks.
Thank you for breath. Thank you for food. Thank you for the ability to walk. There's many who would love to have the ability to walk to give thanks for. It doesn't have to be something grand. You know, popcorn is nothing really all that grand when you think about it. But it's not a grand gesture, but maybe it's better that it isn't. But may it be a reminder that, like Joe, the Lord is with you. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you in all circumstances. Tough a prayer as that is to lift up. Help us to always be thankful. Help us to always remember that you are there, not because of what we do, not because of the the conditions or the circumstances, but simply because of who you are. Help us find our joy in that and give thanks for that. All this we pray in your name. Amen.